It's Friday, November 16th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. If you've been following this podcast for a while, by now you're probably pretty well aware of what's happening with the Wissahickon Creek just outside Philadelphia. For those who haven't, a little background. PEC is part of a collaboration of local governments, watershed organizations, researchers, and others invested in the health of the creek. It's known as the Wissahickon Clean Water Partnership. The goal is to understand how the waterway became one of the region's most impaired and, perhaps more importantly, to come up with a plan that will address its many problems in a way that works for all the stakeholders. As everybody knows, our municipal boundaries don't follow our watershed boundaries, so we got to work together to clean up the watershed. What's exciting, I think, is that everybody can participate. We're all in the same boat here, and now we've got everybody working on the same team. In following the story of this initiative, we've heard individually from a whole range of interested parties. Today, for the first time, we're putting them all together in the same room. That room is an auditorium at Springside Chestnut Hill Academy in Philadelphia, where the Wissahickon Valley Watershed Association recently hosted a public forum. It was an opportunity to bring residents up to speed on what the scientific research is showing and also share a preview of what may be in the forthcoming water quality improvement plan for the Wissahickon. And while there is still a lot of discovery and planning work yet to be done, one thing is becoming increasingly clear. Stormwater management may be the single most important factor in play here. Now, that's not exactly unexpected, and it does raise some potentially thorny issues. However, at the same time, the news brings some much-needed clarity to the matter of what happens next with the partnership. In particular, it underscores the role that will need to be played by municipal entities and the people they serve. On this episode, we are going to explore that role in a series of brief conversations with participants in that forum. First up, let's meet Jay Cruz, an environmental scientist with the Philadelphia Water Department. He's one of six management committee members who spoke on that evening's panel. The partnership's been meeting for about two years at this point, and so this is a chance for us to get out into the community and talk to them about all the progress that's been made thus far. It's been great that all the municipalities within the watershed have have gathered together and sent representatives. There's been a lot of participation from everybody within the watershed. We've collected a lot of data. We've reviewed a lot of previous data. This is a watershed that's had a a lot of studies already. There's already been a lot of planning. And so we've had the opportunity to to sit down and, and look at all the information and try to get a sense for what are the best things we can do to improve water quality that are reasonable and cost effective for our communities. Tell me a bit more about your role in this partnership. What is the city's stake, I guess, in these proceedings? I'm serving on the management committee, and I've also been participating in some of the technical committees that have been set up. Uh, I have a pretty long history with the watershed. I started with the city in 2002, and uh, this is one of the first projects that I worked on. So I've been looking at the Wissahickon Creek for about 16 years or so as an environmental scientist and um, looking at issues of water quality, aquatic life, studying the fish, the bugs, the algae that grows on the rocks, and kind of trying to understand how all that ties together, how the habitat affects the aquatic life in the watershed. Temple University has received funding from the William Penn Foundation, and they've done quite a bit of work that's, I believe it's pretty complementary to some of the other studies that have been done in the watershed. So what are those studies telling us? Well, the Wissahickon Creek watershed is, a, is an urban watershed, and it has a lot of impervious surfaces in it. And so stormwater management is going to be a really big challenge for a watershed like the Wissahickon Creek watershed. 
we're learning a little bit about what stormwater best management practices can do to help improve water quality, but it's going to be very challenging, especially where we have such an urbanized watershed with so many impervious surfaces. Uh, can you talk about sort of the complexity of this arrangement and, and where you and, and the water department fit, fit into that? If this is to some degree a, a suburban issue, but obviously it affects Philadelphia. Is that a difficult framework to work within? Not really, because the, the, this latest version of this, this draft TMDL, draft total phosphorus TMDL, affects the city as much as it affects the municipality. So whereas before there may have been some you know, upstream, downstream conflicts, or I don't want to say animosity, but there was always that sort of outside the city versus inside the city, we're all in the same boat here. And, and really having that, that city to suburbs sort of uh, relationship really isn't productive, and now we've got everybody working on the same team. Can you tell me a bit more about what you're going to be addressing tonight in, in your remarks? Tonight I'm hoping to uh, encourage residents of the watershed to um, take a look at Philadelphia Water Department's residential stormwater management program, which is called RainCheck. We're really trying to encourage people that have uh, good site conditions to think about installing a rain garden on their property. The city of Philadelphia uh, pays for a, a large portion of that project, and it really is a great way to bring native plants, pollinators, birds, and beautify your landscape in front of your house. Instead of having just a plain grass, boring front yard, wouldn't it be great for people to have rain gardens and really help the city more cost-effectively manage stormwater? Currently, the rain check program, as far as the city uh, reimbursing the costs for installation of rain gardens, is limited to city residents. But we have done a lot of outreach over the years. We've funded Pennsylvania Environmental Council. We've, we've funded other uh, watershed uh, non-governmental organizations to help do watershed planning, to help uh, convene a Wissahickon Creek Watershed Partnership. So I think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned in both directions. We can learn from the municipalities outside the city that have dealt with flooding, that have dealt with building their uh, detention basin retrofit programs, and some of the, the city's BMPs that we've built that are a little bit more focused on urban settings. What are you hoping people will take away from this, uh, this conversation tonight? I'm hoping that people will understand the challenges that we face when we're trying to meet water quality standards in such an urbanized watershed, and to be patient about the timeline that it will take to make real measurable improvements in water quality. What do you think that timeline looks like right now? 20 plus years, 25 plus years. All right, well, thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you. Laura Turan, and I'm a professor at Temple University. Last time we spoke, you were still collecting data and getting started, I think, on the model. I believe the model is now complete, yes? The model will never be complete, unfortunately. Well, no, that's not unfortunate. It's actually good because we want to set it up to be a living model. Um, what we have, though, is a first calibration. You can always improve calibration and then we can always try another, other scenarios. So we've tried it on a couple of scenarios, and so it's being actively used, that's what I would say, rather than complete. Patrick was talking about the baseline scenario in there. Could you describe that? So um, at one of our meetings, someone said, could you try and see what happens if we went back to forest? And um, the plot was rather stunning. You had the current day response to storm and this very very tiny response if we went back to forest it was dramatic um, and what I feel like that does is allow us to realize that we aren't going to get back to that it's just too big a reach 
but it also gives us a measure of how close we can get to that as we do these different stormwater control structures. This would be like if, if civilization in Philadelphia just ceased to exist. Yes, exactly. Nature took over. Um, or we lived in China and they just made people move because right. that's what they do there. I have a colleague who just got back from there and he said they have great green infrastructure because they make the people move, they tear things down, and then they put them back. That's one way to do it, it I suppose. It, yeah, we don't want to do that, though. We've got to find another way. So what are we looking at at this point? What have you learned and what is it pointing toward by way of solutions? So as I said in the talk, one of the things that was fairly amazing is how similar different sites were um, along the main stem. Um, There are water quality differences, but the overall stream health and some of the stressors are at every location. When you see something like that, you generally attribute it to overland flow, some non-point source. Um, A lot of it is sheer volume of water that's causing the stress. Um, People talk about clean water or cleaning it up, but you've got to deal with volume as well. When you deal with volume, you will have the added benefit of doing some cleanup as well. Um, So that was one finding, is that overland flow and um, discharge really has to be addressed. And that's why we're looking at a long-term solution similar to what Philadelphia is doing, where we try to green Um, our watershed and increase infiltration. What did you think of the event tonight? How did it go over? What do you think people are going to take away from it? I thought it was pretty interesting to hear from so many different voices um, who are looking at different parts of the problem, yet coming up with a single message, which is that we need to work together and that it may be a long-term solution in that we do have an alternative to what was originally suggested. And we actually think this alternative will be better for the stream, which is exciting. What's, uh, what's next? What's the timeline looking like? Um, we're starting on the writing. I think we've agreed on kind of an outline of where we're headed, and we're going to start doing the actual writing to put it into words that different people can understand. You know, you need to write something for different audiences, and we'll have, you know, versions of the plan for different audiences. But we're putting pen to paper literally right now. Most of the science part has been written up already, but now we need the wraparound that provides the, the group solution. My name is Mary Aversa, and I'm the manager of Ambler Borough. Uh, tonight we are here to talk about the efforts that local municipalities, uh, 13 of them, and uh, four wastewater treatment plants, which we do own and operate one of them, are participating in an effort to improve the quality of the Wissahickon. We have a creek in crisis. So we've been meeting uh, for several years now, uh, developing a plan and looking at the best ways to implement projects where we can improve the quality of the water and use good science that everyone feels comfortable with, especially our elected. So it, it's, I think it's very exciting. I think it's something that we're all in favor of and we all seem to be very um, eager to participate in this. I think that Having the involvement that we do and, over the t- and the seeing the time spent gives you a, a better feeling of what we're doing is making sense to the taxpayers. And I know there's been a lot of research recently. Is this kind of going to be the first time that members of the public are really going to see the fruits of, of that labor up close? I, I believe in this type of forum, yes. We have had many meetings you know, in our local municipalities where we've had discussions with our boards and residents in attendance, you know, explain the process, what's been going on. But I think bringing everyone together tonight and having these conversations will inform the, the public much more. 
what are we finding out from, what is the science telling us? I think the science, not as scientists, but I think the science is telling us it's not just one problem. There's been a lot of focus on phosphorus, thinking that that was the culprit. Uh, we've worked for many, many years within our permits, within our MS4 and our TMDL, looking at phosphorus and slightly nitrogen, but we think that the problem's much bigger. Obviously, we have areas that flood. Um, whenever you have a major storm, you can put a lot of time in, a lot of work when you're buffering to filter the water that's going into our waterways, and a big storm hits, and a lot of that is gone away. Um, so I, I think that looking at a larger approach, stream bank restorations all along the Wissahickon would, would help. More maintenance on them, um, filtering your inlets, things like that. I think there's just a bigger plan that we need to put in place and have things in place to take care of them once a storm hits. What about Ambler particularly? What are sort of the unique issues that you're dealing with? What is your stake in all of this? Ambler, for us, it's a little tough. We are eight-tenths of a square mile. So we're, we're not a large municipality. We've been around for a very long time. So the majority of the borough was developed before there were any stormwater requirements at all. So that leaves us at much of a disadvantage. A lot of our area along the creek that is, you know, the most sensitive property is owned by private property owners. You can't just go in and, and do things on their property and trying to get them to buy in and get them on board and let them see the benefits to protect their property is, is, is a challenge. But we're, we're committed to doing this. Um, we also have uh, some contaminated sites that are along the Wissahickon. One of the best things that you can do to preserve the Wissahickon in the water, especially during tough temperatures, is a tree canopy. In some of these areas with the contamination, we can't do that. You can't plant trees on um, contaminated sites. It's, they're just not allowed. So we have a lot of challenges. So we need to find other ways which we work with our EAC, um, borough council, residents, rain gardens, rain barrels, things like that. They seem like they're very, very small, but when you add many of them together and put many of these projects in place, it can make a very big difference. So what are you anticipating the questions people will have tonight? What are you going to be talking about? I think they want to know what they can do to, to help. Um, as a homeowner, whether you are simply changing the products that you're using in your house, being mindful of what you're putting on your lawn, they're the important things that you can do. Watch what you're dumping in a drain. Uh, I think if everyone used products that were better for our environment, each person could make an impact in their house, even just taking out some pavers and, and putting in grass, uh, just changing the surface of the property. Well, thanks very much, Mary. Sure. is Eric Dahlberg, and I work as a volunteer with both WVWA and the Friends of the Wissickens. Um, I'm monitoring the creeks for WVWA and also being trail ambassador for the Friends of the Wissickens. I live right off the Wissickens. We, when we bought our house, we had no idea how close we were to the park, and my wife and I will go for a walk in the Wissickens every evening before turning in for the night. And uh, we feel so lucky that that treasure of protected land is there in, in Philadelphia along the creek. It's just gorgeous. Really interested in, in maintaining and improving that, that treasure that the Wissickon is for this whole area. Uh, it's, it, with all the development and expansion of population, it's such a critical safety valve and, and uh, comfort to the people that, that have moved here. Yeah. What did 
you make of the talk tonight? It was fascinating. It's extremely valuable. Um, and it's positive to have all those groups working together. That's very difficult to do in the political and the costs and so forth. Um, and what's, what's exciting, I think, is that everybody can participate in making it better with the rain barrels and their plantings around the yard and uh, what kind of impermeable surfaces they have and, and just uh, not throwing you know, stuff into the street, which is washed into the creek or into the Delaware or Schuylkill Rivers. Yeah. So. a rain barrel? No, we really don't have much room. My wife says that you wouldn't be able to walk around the side of the house with that. But I was interested in this, this uh, um, the planting concept. Instead of a rain barrel, I forgot what they call that, but I'm going to look into that, where you have flowers in, a, in an area that's drained by from uh, from your roof down into it. I want to look and see how that works. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate sure. it. My name is Ellen Kohler. I am the Water Quality Program Manager at the University of Maryland's Environmental Finance Center. And what's your role in the Clean Water Partnership? I am supporting the communities as they move forward with their planning to uh, implement a water quality improvement plan and figure out how to finance that work. That sounds complicated. Well, it can be. There'll be a lot of you know devils in the details here. We're not quite that far into knowing what the details are yet. But, um, you know, big picture, it's about investing in the community and making sure that we have good quality water, both for drinking, but also for enjoying in the watershed and improving quality of life in the watershed and for everybody who lives there. How are people uh, responding to that message so far? Well, I think that certainly, you know, this evening it's very clear that everybody cares very much about the Wissahickon watershed and understands the value that it brings to them both personally but also to the community in terms of, as I said, quality of life, but and quite frankly, even just property values for the people who live here and have houses here. It's a very important aspect of the value of their property here. How will you be working with the municipalities on this part of it? Well, as we move forward, now that we have uh, sort of identified that stormwater is more of a problem that needs to be cured as opposed to just focusing only on phosphorus, because we're looking at stormwater is generated going into streams from impervious cover, and that's where the municipalities have the biggest role. They are the ones that are managing that impervious cover. Through their zoning ordinances, they're saying, yes, you can put a driveway here or a sidewalk or a big parking lot or how much roof cover you can have on your parcel. And so that's the interaction with the municipalities. And as we look at a watershed-wide level, we have to look at all the municipalities in that watershed and how they are all interacting and with their regulations in terms of the impacts on the stream. So they all are related um, because they're all connected by this watershed. You know, as everybody knows, our municipal boundaries don't, don't follow our watershed boundaries, so we got to work together to clean up the watershed. So it seemed like this was pretty well received tonight. What do you expect to happen next? What's, what's next? 
I was very happy that everybody seemed to truly value the Wissahickon and, and that improving water quality was something that was going to be good for them and something that they wanted to support their municipalities working on. I think that's hugely important because... You know, municipal officials face all sorts of questions and challenges as they, you know, try to serve their communities, and a lot of them are volunteers, you know, and so this is, you know, who serve on township boards, and so this is a big challenge to understand all the various different things, and so when people come in and say, yeah, we do care about water quality, we do care about the fact that stormwater is having a bad impact on our water quality, please go ahead and address that. That is a huge thing for municipal officials to be able to rely on, and so to the extent that people who came tonight can go and share that with their municipal officials and say, yeah, we get it, we, we care, you know, please address this. That would be a really big step forward. I think that's one of our most important things that we need to work on as we're also putting together the pieces of this water quality improvement plan um, to, you know, as I said earlier, dive into those details. So, and is this kind of the main role that residents of people in attendance tonight will have to play going forward? Are there other things that you're encouraging people to do to be involved in this process? I, well, I think one, being educated, uh, understanding what the problems are, supporting your municipal officials, uh, also, you know, taking actions that you can personally uh, at your own property and thinking about how you can, you know, maybe put in a rain garden or remove some impervious cover, maybe have a patio that has places for water to infiltrate as opposed to just having all of it covered with um, concrete or something like that. Those are all things you can do personally, but frankly, I think it would also be wonderful if people would support their watershed organizations. Watershed organizations are the glue that hold a lot of this collaborative efforts together that we see across Pennsylvania and other parts of the Mid-Atlantic where I work. Those watershed groups are always there. Municipal officials come and go, but the watershed groups are there, and they are really important to making sure that we continue to have that that focus and that voice that says this matters, this watershed matters, it's an important part of our quality of life, it's an important part of this community. So engaging with your watershed organization would be a huge, huge boost for the collaborative overall. You mentioned during the talk that you work in some other areas on similar issues. I'm interested in sort of comparisons, contrast, that sort of thing. Yeah, so as a result of all of us understanding more and more uh, the impacts of stormwater on our communities. In Pennsylvania, because we have municipalities at the township level, we have a lot of places where we have watershed issues, but municipal boundaries don't match those watershed boundaries. And so we've seen, particularly in the Chesapeake, we've seen collaboratives that have been focused on the county level because of the way we're trying to achieve water quality improvements in the Chesapeake, it focuses a little bit more on the county level, and so we've seen collaboratives on the county level. And they take different shapes and forms. Some of them are, you know, we're going to work together and develop a plan, but then we're all going to implement that plan individually. Some of them have collaboratives where they've decided to work together on that plan and and do all the implementation together as well. And so each year they come up with, okay, here are the projects we're going to work on. And we've decided we each year we're raising this amount of money from each one of the municipalities, the pot that they put together, and then they go and implement that action plan for the year. Um, some of them have adopted stormwater fees, some of these municipalities, but some have not. So it's not, this is not something that's dependent upon adopting a stormwater authority or adopting a stormwater fee. 
but it may be something that is um, of consideration, you know, depending on the community and how folks want to move forward. We've seen really interesting collaborations that have been supported by the sanitary district because they're already involved in water management, and so they're like, okay, we know how, you know, we can help out with stormwater too, and they have the administrative structure to be able to do that across the watershed. We have another community where it's being supported by the redevelopment authority in the county um, because they had the capacity to support the collaborative and so that's where it landed. So that's been interesting too um, to see the different kinds of collaborations and the different kinds of partners that have come to play a role in those collaborations. We need to look broadly um, and we may find some surprising partners who decide that they have an interest in working on these sort of larger issues that we have. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. A few of the voices from the recent Wissahick and Clean Water Partnership Public Forum in Philadelphia. We heard from Jay Cruz of the Philadelphia Water Department, Mary Aversa, Borough Manager for Ambler PA, Eric Dahlberg, a watershed resident and volunteer with the Wissahick and Valley Watershed Association, Ellen Kohler, Water Quality Program Manager with the Environmental Finance Center at the University of Maryland, and Temple University Earth Scientist Laura Turan. And that'll wrap up this episode of Pennsylvania Legacies. Visit our website at pecpa.org for show notes, where you'll find links to the previous installments in our series on the Wissahickon Clean Water Partnership. You might want to also visit the website of the Wissahickon Valley Watershed Association at wvwa.org slash clean water, which is a compendium of information and news about the partnership. Lots to review there, and we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well on the post accompanying this podcast episode on our website. Again, the website is PECPA.org. You can get in touch with us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at PECPA. Send us your feedback by email at legacies, L-E-G-A-C-I-E-S, at PECPA.org. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollers. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.